Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Glad you're here. Why don't you stand with me? Hold your Bibles up. Welcome all of you who are watching online. Uh, we know that it is just as powerful, if you will, in a situation that says, hey, I can watch it right here. We would love to have you here, but we're glad you're tuned in. So say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, 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 in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, we've been doing a series, or started a series, entitled Heaven. We kind of took a little break for Mother's Day last week, but I will continue this week uh, talking about heaven. Um, You know, it's interesting that even the secular networks and media have an interest in the life after death, or eternity, if you will. And that so much of our decisions on earth without really recognizing and noticing them intentionally revolve around what our life will be like after we pass from this life. In other words, a lot of the decisions that we make are filtered through eternity. If there is a heaven, is there really a hell? Many people question those two places. But somewhere deep in us, the largest percentage of Americans believe there is a heaven. And... So as a result of that, every decision we make, I believe, to some degree, includes that thought. One great author said, always begin with the end in mind. So every day that you wake up, you begin with the end in mind. What does that look like? So today's title is, How Do We Live in Light of Heaven? How do we live in light of heaven? Now, this is not a heavy, judgmental, mean-spirited, fearful thing. A lot of people, when they think about eternity, get afraid. When I think about eternity, I think no more bills, no more sorrow, no more sickness, because I'm going to heaven. And I'm not going to heaven because I'm good. I'm not going to heaven because I'm a preacher. I'm going to heaven because I have put my faith in Jesus Christ. I'm not going to heaven because I'm perfect and, and all of those things. And a lot of times we start measuring our eternity by our temporal. And certainly we should strive and make every effort we can to live in obedience to Jesus Christ. That is without question. However, not one of us will succeed today in living a perfect life. As a matter of fact, probably everyone watching online and those of us in here have already sinned and it's only morning. And and the reason we can be joyful is not because we sinned, but because Jesus paid the price for every sin we've already committed. And we're here celebrating life today in light of eternity, knowing that our citizenship is not of this world, but it's of another world, and that we're just passing through. And as we pass through, we hit some chuck holes, and we fall over, we fall down, but we get up. And this is absolutely so critical in every one of our lives. So turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, and I'll be reading out of the NIV. And it says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. It's talking about the heroes of faith. This is chapter 11 of Hebrews is called the Hall of Faith. These are people who gave their lives 
uh, for, for the cause of God and Christ and believed and, and stood strong. And today they're in, the, in the, the portals of heaven, the corridors of heaven and the stadium and the arenas of heaven looking down on us. And, and I believe every one of them is cheering us on saying, man, you don't want to miss this. This is a great place to be. So we have, this, we have this group of heavenly hosts cheering us on. You can't see them. You may not hear them audibly. But somewhere in your spirit, you have to know that there have been generations after generations after generations that have preceded us. And it said they were still living by faith when they died. Now, there's not a greater statement that could be said about anybody. When they passed... They still believed. When they passed, they were still standing strong with God. When they left this world, they still were exercising faith. Though they fell down, they got up. They fell down, they got up. They believed that heaven was real. And oftentimes, heaven is the only thing. The thought of heaven is the only thing that gets us back on our feet. Goes, hold it, i got to fight the good fight. i got to stay in the race. And Paul said, I kept the faith. It is important for us. <laughs> to keep the faith. It goes on to say, they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted <clears throat> that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Guess what? What it's saying is they weren't looking backwards, they were looking forwards. They weren't looking at everything that had happened, they were looking for everything that's going to happen as a result of keeping the faith until the day that you die. It's never too late, you've not done too much, and that, that heaven is that motivator that says someday this is going to be my reward. Heaven is not a hideout, heaven is a hangout. It's where we get to hang with Jesus for the rest of eternity. It's not an escape mode. It's not somewhere where, man, I just can't wait to get there to get out of this. I can't wait to fight the good fight and stand before Jesus and hear these words all dirty and every messed up saying, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. Those are the words that we're looking for and those will be heard and ring throughout heaven as we stay our course. And it says, instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Hold it. God is not ashamed to be called their God. These were murderers. These were adulterers. These were connivers. These were thieves. You say, well, how do I know that? Well, I can go back and look at King David where everybody preaches great about David, but David was jacked up. You know, I hear preachers preach about David in the past, but they can't preach about him today. David couldn't even preach in any church if he was alive today. But you know what? We preach about him. Why? Because David didn't give up. He got up. And he said, I may have done this and I may have done that, but it's not over. I see heaven. I've got a glimpse of glory. I'm not going to lay down. I'm going to get up. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to speak up. And God said, I'm not ashamed of him. Moses, murderer, I'm not ashamed of him. Elijah, doubter, in a cave, hiding from a little crazy woman. God said, I'm not ashamed. Zacchaeus, I'm not ashamed, you thief. God said, I'm not ashamed of any of you. 
I'm calling you home. I've gone to prepare a place for you that where I am, Jesus said, you might be also. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. God has sent His Son. His Son did His job. Now He's at the right hand of God standing for you and me. And construction is taking place in heaven, building development after development because more and more people are coming to know Him. I want people to know that heaven is real and it's not impossible. Many people are looking at their lives instead of his life and measuring their eternity by what they've done instead of what he did. And when you accept what he did, you can realize the avenue and ticket to heaven is because of the work of the cross in Christ and not because of you. Mean people are judgmental people. And judgmental people are mean people. And they fail to look at their own life because they're looking at yours. They measure their life by intentions. They measure your life by actions. I'm here to tell you, you're in a great place. We have incredible possibility. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing's too difficult for Him. In 1952, July 4th, a lady by the name of Florence Chadwick was going to attempt to swim from, swim from Catalina Island to the coast of California. Now, this was a woman who was familiar with long-distance swimming. She, had already, she was the first woman to swim the English Channel. She had made numerous swims. But all of a sudden, on this particular day, July 4th, everything was planned. All of her crew was there. Her trainer was there. And she had already knew what she was capable of. But on this particular day, unbeknownst to her, the weather would turn very cold. And, and the fog would roll in between Catalina Island and the coast of California. And she waded into that channel prepared to swim. And she swam for 15 hours. Swimming for 15 hours in the cold water. I mean, sharks had to be shot from around her. Guns fired to keep them away. And she's swimming. And after 15 hours, she was exhausted. Not because of the cold weather. Not because of the cold water. Not because, but all of a sudden, she said, pull me out of the water. They pulled her out. And when they got her out, come to find out she was less than a mile from the shore of California. What pulled her out? The fog she couldn't see. You see, the Bible says, without a vision, my people perish. Heaven is that vision. That we never get in the fog so much that we can't believe that there is a place prepared for us. And what happens later is this great woman, this great swimmer, went back and she actually did it and broke a speed record this time. And they said, what was the difference? She said, this time I could see land. You must never lose sight of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for you. Never get caught in the fog of your own sin or the fog of other people's criticism or the fog of other people's judgment. You have to stay in the water. You have to stay on course. You have to stay in the race. You have to keep the faith because heaven awaits your tenacity and your faith. During the difficult times, you have to realize someday you'll stand before Jesus and you want to hear those words, well done. So how do we do this? Well, heaven makes us live with gratitude. When I think about what Jesus did and I read the book of Revelation and I see all that God has prepared for us, translucent streets, gates of gold, 
gems all over the fences and the, the walls of heaven and, and the sun himself being the, the light of heaven. When I just think about heaven, I'm thinking I can do this another day. I can do this another week. I can do this for a lifetime. Nothing is going to hold me back. Nothing is going to keep me down. I'm going to rise up and be who God's called me to be because Jesus rose up and went and made a place for me. You have to stand strong. And sometimes there are days you just say, man, I just want to get out of the boat. Man, I can't see land. I can't see hope. I can't see nothing. You stay in that water until you hit sand. You keep on swimming. You keep on going. You keep on running. Whatever it takes, you stay in the race. Don't let anybody talk you out of what Jesus died you into. Every day is a decision, and every decision includes heaven. Thinking about the gift of heaven changes how we respond here on earth. Paul said it this way. He said, these are light and momentary afflictions. They're light and momentary. He said, but man, it's heavy. But Jonathan Edwards says, those who make the biggest impact on earth are the ones who think most about the life to come. Those who make the greatest impact on earth are those who think about the life to come. In other words, who am I talking to today? What's their life going to look like? Why did I have this encounter? What am I saying today that can make an influence and impact on their life? Sometimes you have to speak those things that are not as though they were. That's what God does. And you have to declare what isn't as though it already is. And you have to look at things and go, you know what? I don't care what it looks like. I know inside me what it's going to be like because I'm going to make decisions that include heaven. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to hear that voice, well done, well done, well done. And I want you to be right in front of me, right behind me. And I want to keep hearing, well done, well done. And then when some stupid person comes, depart from me. Anyway, I'm just saying. Life is short. Eternity is long. Everything that we do and think should be considered in light of eternity. 2 Peter 3 verse 13 says, But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth he has promised. A world where everyone is right with God. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to live a pure and blameless life. And get this, and be at peace with God. You know, there used to be an old saying, and, and this is a religious saying in my books. I grew up with it, that uh, I heard people say, well, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. The more heavenly minded you are, the more earthly good you will be. You know, it, some people say, well, you're just religious. I'm not religious about anything, but I every day want to keep in my mind and in my sight and in my heart and in my vision heaven. Because heaven is real. It's, it's, what we, it's what we long for. It's what our hearts yearn for. It's what we're believing God for. And a lot of people are afraid of death, but the Bible says, where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Why? Because we don't worry about it anymore. I can live a life with a smile on my face and happiness in my heart. I'm not trying to get a boatload of people up to go today. But I am telling you this, that with Christ in you, the hope of glory, there is no fear of death. Now, I don't want to die, but I'm not afraid of dying. And I've done some things that, just, that would make you think that, I mean, you, you know I wasn't afraid. I co-piloted a twin-engine airplane from Kampala, Uganda to Gulu, and, and, and the avionics on it was a, 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 about that big. 
And when the pilot took off, she said, after, after we get this up in the air, you're going to fly it. I said, okay. Never been, never even had the yoke of a twin engine airplane in my hands. And so she says, okay, it's yours. We get up. And she, I said, so what do I do now? She said, well, you see that mountain over there? She said, just fly toward that. <laughs> We're at 4,000 feet in an airplane that would not pass the inspection in America. But I was having the time of my life. And I thought, if I go down, I'm sure a rhino or something will eat me quick and it'll be over fast if I don't buy it, die in the crash. <laughs> but when I realized that life is to be lived, not endured, not feared, waking up every day wondering what's going to happen. This is the only day you have. You don't have tomorrow. I don't have tomorrow. And in light of heaven, who cares? I just want us to be able to live life in such a way that we're not always trying to figure God out. Faith doesn't try to figure God out. Faith puts its trust and confidence in God. And that's what we want to be able to do. Hebrews 12, 28 says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful or grateful, and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. We're called to worship God. How many of you know when you, you, even at home, if you're listening to worship music, something changes in the atmosphere. It's different than any other kind of music. And I love all genres of music ex except one. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Some of y'all wait and judge me. But I love almost every genre. But when worship comes on, something happens that connects my heart, not just my mind. Something connects me. And all of a sudden, I begin to feel a presence unlike any other. I'm not saying there's not a presence to be felt in other kinds of music. But in worship, there's a different kind of feeling that comes in a different experience because something happens in the spirit realm that doesn't happen with other genres of music. Try it sometime. Just try it sometime. And see if your heart doesn't get grateful. Secondly, heaven gives you power to persevere. How many of you know that to really, really get through most anything, if you have a goal and you set your sights on that goal, and you say, I know there are days I don't want to get up and do what I need to be doing. I am a major gym rat. I love exercise most days. <laughs> but not every day. But I know the benefit of exercise. Look, I'm 80 years old. Look how good I look. I mean, come on. Don't you want to look this way at 80? This is all because of discipline. Okay, I'm not 80. But the reality is, I feel like I'm 25. And you know what? I will never grow old between my ears. I just refuse to. And it's not because... You know, some people say, well, you ought to, you, certain age, you ought to behave this way. You ought to dress this way. I ain't dressing my age. And if you dress in your age and you're 70, come on, get some hip in your hop. I mean, Jesse's 82. Look how good he looks. We're brothers. Ephesians 3.20 says, now glory be to God. By His mighty power at work within us, He is able to accomplish infinitely more 
than we could ever dare to ask or hope. In other words, according to the power that's at work in us, one translation says, he can do more than we can think or imagine. It's the power at work in us. Everything on earth is momentary. I want you to get that in your head today. Everything on earth is momentary. It's not, it's not permanent. It's not eternal. It's momentary. Whatever you're going through right now is a moment in time. And don't build a monument to the moment. It's just a moment. It's a light and momentary affliction. Most things in life, number two, are subject to our response. Now, some of you have heard me talk a lot about Iron Man throughout my preaching. I, I love Iron Man. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Robert Downey Jr. is my, one of my favorite, if not my most favorite actor of all time. And uh, I have gleaned so much from watching Iron Man over and over and over again. And I did a wedding for one of the most precious couples in our church ever, Brian and Valerie Booker. And and I uh, did their wedding. It was a beautiful wedding. They're wonderful people. They got married and they stayed in church, which I always honor. So most people get married and worship at St. Madras Cathedral for the next year or two. <laughs> All in the name of we got married. But they've stayed faithful. And so I, 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 when, when they, I did the wedding, of course, they took care of me. But they gave me this gift. And, and it stays in my office. And it, I love two things about it. One, it's made on rough wood. I like that. And it says this, you can take away my house, all my tricks and toys, but one thing you can't take away, I am Iron Man. <laughs> and that's been my motto. You can take whatever you want to take, but you cannot take who God made Mark Crow to be. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His gifts and callings are irrevocable. You are defined by the choice you make to believe in the fact that he believes in you. You can blame everybody else and anybody else. And you can say, well, they did this to me. They did that to me. But at the end of the day, it's your response to your crisis that elevates the cross in your life and makes you the person you're called to be. It's not the good times. It's the bad times that define us because we respond in a way that gives glory to Jesus Christ. So, well, my mama didn't do this. My daddy wasn't there. This didn't happen for me. I grew up poor. I grew up however you grew up. The reality is, I don't care how you grew up. I care how you got up. And you said, my grow up is not going to keep me from getting up. I'm going to be who Jesus called me to be. You take it all if you want to. But I am Iron Man. Now, some of y'all get mad and you think that's arrogant. Let me tell you something. You need to get a stiff spine in a right mind. You've been talked out of things, criticized out of things, judged out of things, and you've lived your life by the opinions of others instead of by the word of truth. And you've made decisions and you've had conversations and, and you've tested the waters and you've listened to the voices and you've responded the way people want you to respond instead of the way Jesus has made you to respond. Put this on Instagram this morning. If you're not following me, you should be. 
Sam Keen wrote these words. I've learned one important thing in my life, how to begin again. If you have yet to begin again, you will have to begin again. In some area, you'll begin again on a job. You'll begin again at a house. You'll begin it again in relationships, whatever it might be. Every one of us have to begin again. If nothing else, to be born again is to begin again. And we all must get this in us. That people who have never began again have yet to fall and rise and they will fall. Because everybody does. It's not the falling that's the problem. It's our response to the failure. Religious people mean people say stay down. When all of the hall of faith, the Abrahams, the Isaacs, the Jacobs, the Moses, the Elijah, the Elisha are speaking from the corridors and the stadiums and the arenas of heaven saying, get up, you can do it. Rise up, we did it. We know that God is greater than your crisis. We know you can do it. Dust yourself off. Don't repair your clothes. Don't repair your jeans. Let the tears be a reminder that the star is greater than the scar. It's just a reminder. God is bigger. God is greater. Persevere. Because that is what heaven does. It gives us the power to persevere. Purpose must be magnified. For perseverance to be realized. You magnify your purpose in life. Don't magnify your pain. I posted something this week, something to this effect. When your eyes are on your pain, they're not on God. When your eyes are on God, they're not on your pain. Keep your eyes on God. Pain will be a part of life, all of life. And the way you make pain your friend is to let purpose be magnified over that pain. I will stand before Jesus, as will you someday, and he'll ask one question, what did you do with what you were offered? What did you do with what you were given? Well, you know, God, I was told, hold it, hold it, hold it. Who told you? Did I tell you? Or did somebody else tell you? Because you need to hear his voice and the voice of a stranger you need not hearken to. You need to rise up and be the person God's called you to be. Billy Sunday said more men fail through lack of purpose than through lack of talent. Perseverance requires a goal that becomes bigger than your pain. You have to say something is bigger, something is greater than the pain I'm going through. This morning in my prayer time, I said, God, I want to be a poster child for something great. I want you to do something in and through my life that would glorify you. I want you to pray that prayer because it's a big prayer. God, do something in my life that would make a difference in one person so much so that their life would be changed and the lives of those around them would be changed. You're a spark. Maybe that's all you've ever felt like is you're a spark, but it only takes a spark to start a fire. Be that spark. Be that person. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, 
who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It was joy set before him. We must live and love like we've never been hurt. Well, people say, I'll never love again. I've been hurt. I'll never love again. You and I must live and love as though we have never been hurt. That elevates God's purpose above your pain. That gives you the perseverance you need to press through whatever pain you're feeling. Saying, I refuse to talk about my pain when Jesus took it all on the cross. In relationships, most difficult times, I would say, I would see my children and their children coming home to me. It's a part of my vision. In the church's most trying years, I saw lost, hurting, and addicted people finding a battle-tested church willing to fight for them and a place for them to be healed and belong. Every Sunday I show up, I feel like there's some people coming in here and people watching online that without this morning and without this service and without Mosaic Church OKC, they might not make it. You say, that's arrogant. No, that's called faith. I'm believing that people are coming and people are watching by the ordination of God, by the appointment of God for a life-changing word and moment. There are two people who spoke into my life when I was young, coming out of addiction. 21 years old and this is old school assembly of God talking sister white was one of them that that old saint came up to me and said God showed me your future I looked at her and I said I didn't even know I had one and you got to see mine I didn't know there was one sister curly was the other one both of these women were way ahead of their time, saints for God. They were not my parents. And so finally, two people that didn't care, I didn't think cared or even knew who I was, came up and prophesied over my life and pointed me to my future. And those words rang very clear to me. I ended up doing one of their funerals. She told her kids, when I die, I want Mark Crow to do my funeral. We had been many years separated. Uh, she was a part of my life when I first got born again. And, and boy, she, when they called me and said, you know, mom died. She wanted you. I said, where are we doing the funeral? This was a lady who pointed me in the right direction and said, you can persevere. You can make it. There's a future for you. Pointed me in the direction of heaven. One person said, our plans miscarry because they have no aim. When a man does not know what harbor he's making for, no wind is the right wind. You have to keep a focus on heaven. In my personal walk, in my personal struggles, I look and long for the day to hear my father say, well done. And then lastly, heaven frees us from the fear of death. What you are is God's gift to you. What you make of yourself is your gift to God. What are you giving back to God? What will you do in response to the cross? What will you do in response to Christ? Norman Cousins says, death is not the greatest loss in life. The greatest loss is what dies inside us while we live. Great souls have wills. Feeble ones have only wishes. 
Great souls have wills. I have a will to do the will of God. I have a will to run this race strong. I have a will to finish. I have a will to fight the good fight. I have a will. I don't have a wish. I don't wake up every day and say, I wish you would do this. I wake up every day and say, we will do this. Christianity has become weak because it's become convenient. Now, I love America. I love it with everything in me. But I've been in countries where you could be killed for worshiping Jesus. I preached in India. I was doing a big conference in central India. And we were told when we were doing the conference, me and two other pastors, that we were not to give an invitation for people to accept Christ. Because in India, there are a lot of gods. And so I was preaching one particular night's conference, and it was filled. And, and the, the interpreter looked at me, and he said, go for it. I gave an invitation for people to receive Christ. Many came to Christ that night. During the night, God spoke to me to leave that country. And so I went to the pastor. I said, I don't know what to tell you, but I believe I'm supposed to go. They flew me late out that night to Mumbai, India to stay to catch a flight back to the States. By the time I landed in America, the conference went on. That night that I was gone, a bunch of radicals came and rocked that meeting. That's the price many people pay for preaching Jesus in countries where they will not tolerate it. And here in America, we can do it freely. And maybe to some degree, we've lost just a little bit because it's so convenient and so easy. And I love our country and I love the freedom of worship. But I also love the thought that, that someday, if I was ever asked to, <clears throat> would I lay my life down for the cause of Christ? I know that's a big thought. We don't talk about it much. But I want to live my life in such a way that there won't be a question if Jesus asked me to do something that's ridiculous. I love this word. A funeral among men is a wedding feast among the angels. A funeral among men is a wedding feast among angels. They've seen and they know. 2 Corinthians, and I'll close with this. For while we are in this tent, which Paul calls the body this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. There's a longing in all of us to know our Father, to know our Creator, the one who created us in his image and his likeness, it's in us. I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. I want to take just a moment, those of you watching online. If you've been longing for heaven and wondering how to get there, Siri can't tell you, but the word of God can. That all who call on his name shall be saved immediately when Jesus looked at the thief on the cross he said today you will be with me in paradise Jesus said it's done the minute you declare the minute you believe the minute you exercise faith some of you need to exercise that faith today you've questioned you've wondered and you've been measuring your life but today I want to point you to heaven and say that God through his son has gone to prepare a place for you and where he is, you can be also.
But it's your response, once again, that makes the difference. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you, I want you to just lift your hands. Say, pray for me. Pray for me. I need Jesus today. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Pray for me. Those of you online, pray for me. This is my day to be set free from my sin. Thank you. Thank you. Are there others who say, that's me? God bless you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. God bless you. We're going to pray a prayer right now. Those of you watching online, I want you to pray this with all of us in here. Say, Father God, today I put my faith in you. I repent of my sin. Jesus, today I call on your name, the name that's above every name. And I declare I am forgiven because of the work of the cross, not because of my works. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.